and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. This week's episode is a bit different in focus as I wanted to do something really special for International Women's Day which is today the 8th of March. It's with the inspiring Zing Zhang who is broadly UK's editor and she's also a presenter for Vice TV. She is the author of two amazing books called Forgotten Women the Leaders and Forgotten Women the Scientists, which are both out today. This episode is to celebrate International Women's Day and Zing and I chat about her books, which uncover the lost histories of the influential women who have shaped, formed and changed the course of our future, often with little or no recognition. These stories are so interesting and what they did was so radical and exciting that they should be remembered. I couldn't believe some of the stories in the books and I totally agree with the Independence Review which said to say these books are inspiring doesn't do them justice. Zing and I chat about how the books came about, her research process, what she learnt along the way and what we can learn from these women. You are kind of the latest in a long chain of women who have come out through the other end and I think that is really valuable to understand that there's a place in history for you. So I hope you find it as inspiring as I did and happy International Women's Day. And if you enjoy it, then please do check out Zing's books. They're available on Amazon and I'll put all the links in the show notes. So here it is. So Zing, welcome to the Motherkind podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. So we are recording this as a special episode for today, which is International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to everyone. Thank you. <laughs> and this is because you have two amazing books coming out today. One is Forgotten Women, the Leaders, and one is Forgotten Women, the Scientists. And we've got them in front of us here and they just look incredible. So Firstly, I wanted to congratulate you on the books because I've read both of them and I felt like from the first word to the last word, you took me on a real journey. And there are a series of mini stories, but stories I'm not sure does it justice. I felt like they were sort of mini epic blockbusters almost, the journeys that some of these women go on. So I can't wait to discuss it all with you. But before we do, could you just say a little bit about sort of who you are and how these stories came about and your background a bit? So I'm Zing and I'm a journalist in my day job. I'm the editor of Broadly, which is a women's interest channel from Vice. So I report on a whole bunch of stuff like pop culture, politics, movies, fashion, film, everything. And I think compared to the journey that some authors have to get to print, this was for me a very quick, short and sharp burst of intense writing and intense activity because I was approached by Octopus, which is a publishing house, early last year. And they came to me with this idea about doing something about women's histories. And I thought, just amazing, because I've always been really interested in history and the stories that women tell each other. I have a podcast myself, actually, called My First Time. And it's basically around the idea of this kind of sex stories that women tell each other when they're you know, had a couple of glasses of wine and they're feeling like a little loose-lipped and they want to chat about stuff. So I've always really been interested in that angle of like women's conversations and the stories they tell each other. And that's where my interest in women's history really comes from. So when Octopus approached me to write these books, I was like, incredible, amazing. I'm going to spend all this time with just an amazing bunch of people. And it did actually kind of feel like I got to know these people because a lot of the stories in there are things that 
are not in conventional textbooks. They're certainly not the first names that you think of when you think of people in politics or people in science. There are a couple of names, I think, that if you're in the industry of, you know, science or politics yourself, you might recognize them. But I think the books are really kind of pitched at people who had a kind of general interest in the world around them, but weren't really necessarily specific specialists in it. And so it's pitched at that kind of audience. And I really tried to pick people who had a story to tell, who had like amazing, interesting lives, you know, not just for their time, but for a life now by any objective standards would be incredible. So that was kind of the criteria. Yeah, I mean, I think you've absolutely nailed that. Every single one is, you know, as I said at the start, feels epic and so rich and just such a tapestry across such a range of, you know, every discipline that we can think of. So what defines a forgotten woman then? I know you talk about it in the introduction, but how did you choose who was forgotten? It was really difficult because... I didn't want people to look at the people I'd chosen and say, oh, you're making a value judgment on their legacy. You're kind of saying that she didn't matter, therefore she was forgotten. But that's basically almost the opposite of what I'm trying to say. I'm, I guess, approaching this from the position where I'm outraged that these people should have been forgotten to begin with because these stories are so interesting and what they did was so radical and exciting that they should be remembered. And I always go back to this documentary I watched ages ago, I think, it was called Women Art Revolution. And I actually do discuss this in another book that I'm writing for Forgotten Women, which is about artists. And the documentary basically goes up to people on the street and it says, name five women artists, sort of like a prank TV kind of sketch style thing. And every single person they approach on the street is like, hmm. Frida Kahlo and that's it like most people can name maximum three women four women but nobody is able to name five and that to me kind of speaks as to why these books were important to me to write it's not because I think that these people didn't do enough or you know they weren't good enough and therefore they were forgotten but it's the fact that we don't think of their names when people come up to us and they're like name five amazing politicians can you name all five of them as women can you name five amazing scientists all of whom were women and i kind of bet that a lot of people would really struggle. So this series is sort of my solution to that. Like I want these people to be on the tip of your tongue, like in the same way that when people say, name a famous inventor, people are like, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, it just rolls off the tongue like that. And I want women to start rolling off other people's tongues. You know, I don't want it to be a kind of, oh, let me think about it. Let me check Wikipedia. Like I want people to realize that these women had such amazing lives that they deserve to be thought of in the same kind of breath as, you know, the amazing people that we associate with like genius and success, you know, like Da Vinci, Aristotle, you know, people like George Washington, like these women should be up there, but they're not. And so I guess my book series is sort of like my humble attempt to kind of redress the balance. I think it's evident as you go through as well, the massive impact that these women had. Unbelievable impact, actually. And and for me, you know, we were talking about before, Shirley Chisholm, who was actually the first black candidate for the White House. And, you know, the fact that I'd never heard her name, I found that really shocking. I like to think of myself as relatively well-read. And yeah, I think that's what's so incredible about them is they've sort of been buried by history, would you say? And I think you talk about this in the introduction as well, that only Mm 0.5%. Is that the right stat? I'm getting remembering of women are part of the history. Yeah. And I was wondering what your view was on how this happened. Like, why can some of these women, like Shirley, as we just talked about, get forgotten and get buried? Oh, it's a really tough one because 
on one hand, you have people who, while they were alive and while they were in their own time, made like enormous impact, like Shirley Chisholm, for instance, made a real fuss, like when she was elected as the first black congresswoman and she was running to be the Democratic nominee for president. Unfortunately, she lost to another Democratic candidate. So people knew who she was when she was alive. And then when she passed away, it was almost as if time just kind of erodes away at your legacy, really. And unless you have people who are constantly fighting your corner, like protecting your estate, you know, putting your name out there. And I don't think that forgetting is an unnatural thing that people do on purpose. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes forgetting can be intentional and deliberate and, you know, people can choose to like censor history and stuff like that. But I think forgetting is a very natural part of the human brain you know like in my introduction I basically fess up to like forgetting literally everything like keys wallet whatever I've lost so many things over the years people just tend to forget and unless you have people who are constantly reminding the public about the existence of these people it will just fade out into obscurity and that to me is really sad because we have such a constricted idea of world history so you know in class you're being taught the world war one world war two you've got 60s flower power you know Beatlemania. you know you have these really set ideas of what history is about and the names you associate with them are always just men but what I hope these books show is that you can expand these world events and there are women like at every single step of history doing stuff you know they might not be in like school textbooks, but they are there. And I think one of my favorite ones is actually a woman who's a bit of a mystery. So in the American Revolution, there was a woman called Agent 355, who was a secret agent, basically. She was fighting the British. Her name never got out, so she was a very good spy. People think that she died after being caught on a ship and... People still don't know who she is, but she was one of the people who was fighting for American independence. And that's incredible. You know, there should be a movie about her. There should be like a TV show, a Netflix series, but there just isn't. And part of me hopes that this is what's going to happen. Like people are going to start unearthing all these stories and realizing that, you know, there are all these huge world shaking events and women were absolutely there every single step of the way. I know we've got a long way to go, but you can see there's some sort of glimpses of that as you talk about to expand this narrow view that we've got of history and look more broadly, you know, not just across women, but men as well and everyone Mm -hmm. who's had these huge impacts and shaped our lives. So you mentioned one of your favourites. Can you talk about a few of your other ones, I guess, that have had the biggest impact on you as you were writing or the ones that shocked you the most that didn't have this sort of prominent profile? Let me think. So this was kind of an unusual choice, I think. For the scientists, I chose to highlight groups of women. And I think there are about three or four groups of women who are just named as the group because they worked collaboratively together, which I think is also a very interesting thing because, you know, so often we think of scientific accomplishments as just like one guy who's like just a genius who comes up with gravity or whatever because of some random fluke of nature. But science is kind of collaborative, as I'm sure any scientist will tell you. And there were groups of women who are just doing amazing stuff. So, for example, the Bletchleyites who were classified secret for literally decades and they were the ones helping to crack the codes of the Nazi messages coming through World War II. And so, you know, they kind of get a nod in the imitation game, you know, that movie with Benedict Cumberbatch, like Kieran Knightley's role is supposedly a code breaker. But when you look at the history of Bletchley Park, which is where people like Alan Turing were working, the majority of people there were women. They were people who had come from every single class of British society who were 
kind of funneled into the war effort to crack codes. So you get like these shop girls, you know, who have been pulled from department stores and cracking Nazi messages. And, you know, oh, there's just one thing that really struck me. So there was this one guy whose nickname was Dilly, and he basically said that he wanted women to be on his team. And there were two women whose last names were Rock and Lever. And he said of them, who became like the leaders of his team, he said, give me a rock and a lever and I can crack open the universe. And that is just incredible because these were women who were saving lives. And yet when we talk about World War II, and, you know, I'm sure people know when British people talk about World War II, we talk about it a lot because, you know, it's all over period drama and TV and everything, but we never talk about the women. And what I find really interesting about the Bletchleyites which is the nickname that they were all given, is that after the war ended, they were expected to go out into society and go out and just become mums and wives again. And nobody acknowledged to them that they'd just done this incredible feat of bravery and heroism that had saved so many people's lives. They were just expected to go to their graves with a secret. And that to me is kind of also crazy. Like we should be celebrating these people. I mean, the only reason it got out at all was because I think a historian wrote a book about it that kind of violated the secrecy act and so basically just like exposed these women which many of them were not even prepared for so yeah it just and stories like that really got to me I think because it kind of spoke to the fact that you can be doing these amazing things but sometimes history will just conspire against you to just rob you of the credit really until a twist of fate suddenly makes you turn back up in the books that to me is crazy, you know. If I, you know, for instance, cracked a Nazi code, I would talk about it 24-7. But these women just took it to their graves, which is incredible. I know, and especially when you think about, you know, today's world with a lot of us, you know, me included, seeking that external affirmation and, you know, especially yeah. with our sort of always on and social media, to think that these women had the breakthroughs that they did. And then, as you say, just to then integrate back into normal life, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of these people weren't even really seeking validation or like public celebration. A lot of them just kind of did it because they just wanted to get on with it, which I think is a really admirable trait. So like Shirley Chisholm, for instance, ran for presidency, knowing that she would never be picked by the Democratic Party to be their presidential candidate. She kind of knew they would never go for her, but she did it anyway, regardless, because her attitude was someone has to do it first. And that to me is also really admirable because she wasn't really looking for success. She just knew that someone had to kind of kick in the glass ceiling for other women, for other black people, for other black women as well before, you know, history could write itself. And that to me is also really great because she wasn't really seeking success at all. She just knew that someone had to do it. So why didn't she do it? <laughs> I, think, I think that's what it's sort of like, because I was thinking about this last night before this, I was thinking what weaves all these incredible women together? And I think it's an attitude. Yeah. And, you know, there's this phrase I think you use around refusing to accept the hand that they were dealt. And I think that's just incredible. And also that ability to do the right thing and then let go of the result almost with no yeah. expectation. And I think that is in some way, is, I mean, is that a lost art today? What do you think? I think probably what ties all the women together is that kind of sense where they don't know that they're going to get the outcome that they necessarily want or that they necessarily think is right, but they're going to do it anyway. I think a lot of that comes through, especially in some of the scientists, you know, like when you're a scientist, you want to have your research proven right, but you're going to have to do it anyway in order to find out. And I think that is 
to a certain extent, a lost art now. I think maybe nowadays people are quite cautious. And I say this for myself as well. Like I'm always like, oh God, what's the worst that could happen? But thinking of all the worst things that could happen. And I think maybe we are slightly more risk averse nowadays. But my hope is that when you read these books and when you encounter these women's lives, you kind of get a bit of secondhand bravery, I think. Like definitely for me, even though all I do for a job literally is to kind of read and write and sit behind a computer screen most of the time, coming into contact with these people's lives has just been amazing because you start seeing that life is not the narrow, constrained thing that you think it is. Like actually, you can go out and make a difference. You can go out and do amazing things. So has writing these books changed you? I think it's made me a lot more certain of myself in an odd way, especially when you're younger. And I definitely felt this growing up. You kind of feel like a bit adrift, a bit lost, like you don't really know where your place is in the world. And writing books like this, which is based in history, in fact, actually makes you see that a lot of what you consider unique problems or like unique weaknesses to yourself actually are things that women have struggled and dealt with for literally centuries. And that as difficult or intractable as the things you're going through now seem to be like people have survived them for so long and that you are kind of the latest in a long chain of women who have come out through the other end. And I think that is really valuable to understand that there's a place in history for you because you are in this long line of women who've done things and like survived the worst and, you know, steered their way through tragedy. I think that's a really valuable sense to have about yourself in the world, especially now because it kind of feels like everything is so uncertain. And so I guess I'm trying to say everything seems very uncertain and dangerous and scary. It's very easy to kind of fall into this trap of thinking that this is the worst it will ever be. But it's really not because all these women have survived much, much worse. Yeah, I think that's so true. Like I got that sense as I was reading it. I was like, God, we really are, you know, on the shoulders of giants here. And I guess the humility that I got from some of the stories as well of the what some women did, like one of my favourite ones was Edith Garrett, yeah. who was one of the first jiu-jitsu trainers in the UK and actually helped train the suffragettes. Yeah. And I found that so empowering. I mean, I was like, oh my God, like, I want to go into martial arts. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly, same, yeah. I was like, this is so cool. And at the same time, risking their lives. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about Edith is also that she's like really small, like 4'11". Yeah, yeah. And she was going around doing like public displays where she just like throw reporters over her shoulder and, you know, they kind of crawl away like in pain, like file some copy being like, don't mess with this woman. She was incredible. And she was like training the suffragettes to defend themselves at a time when suffragettes were literally getting their ribs kicked in, getting groped on marches when you start thinking of history as this thing that's like blood and sweat and tears, it becomes so interesting. And then you know that women have been, you know, shedding blood and doing amazing physical things as well. You kind of feel humbled and awed by the whole thing. I think that's definitely how I felt for most of the writing of these books. Yeah. And I think the strength as well, like there's some really gory stories in there. And one that I loved was about the Trung sisters. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a bit about that? And then specifically about the story of giving birth on the battlefield. Yeah. So they were sisters who were warriors. And at the time, China was trying to take over their country. And they were just like, no, we're not standing for this. So they basically raised their own army and tried to fight off the Chinese dynasty, which at the time was one of the most powerful civilizations in the world. 
And a lot of their army was not trained warriors. They were peasants. They were people from taken from the fields. And they just fought off this enormous civilization for as long as they absolutely could. They attracted loads of people to their cause. And one of them was a woman who fought on the battlefield nine months pregnant and Apparently, she gave birth in the middle of the battlefield, picked up the baby, slung it to her back and just carried on as she was. And, you know, when you read stories like that, you're like, incredible, amazing. I don't have anything to complain about. I'm not giving birth in the middle of a battlefield. I know. Unbelievable. I was just thinking that about my own experience. Like, I couldn't get out of bed for 10 days. (laughs) (laughs) I could have been on the battlefield. So how did you get to the level of detail that you got to in the stories? Did you have a researcher help you compile it all together? So I had a researcher from the publishing house help me compile like all the basic biographical details, but a lot of stuff that was fleshed out with the help of loads of academic sources because there are academics who specialise in stuff like this. And I'm very upfront about the fact that I don't really have any of that kind of academic expertise. Like I'm not a professor in any way, shape or form. But what I've tried to do is try to pick up the most interesting biographical details. So, you know, snatches of conversation, things other people said about them, what was on their grave, you know, what did they write about, stuff like that. And just to add that extra layer of realism, I think, because I always find it so interesting to hear people's voices sort of ring out over the centuries. And you have people who were living several hundred years ago, but the things they're saying now, you're like, oh, that sounds so point for 2018 you know it's still relevant and that's what I find really interesting about it is that these women are still relevant to today's world and what they went through even though it's in a very different time maybe they're wearing different clothes or whatever it's still kind of the same yeah those timeless challenges I guess that of humanity and some of the details that you pull out are just a beautifully specific, actually, yeah. especially, you know, someone that you were talking about, you know, what was on their grave or what the hair was like, things like that really brought them to life. And I found them, even though like quite heavy going, a lot mm-hmm. of the stories and epic, I found them really easy to read. Oh, amazing. Yeah, that was the idea. I wanted to make it accessible to everyone. And I say this in the introduction, I wanted something that I could have read myself when I was a teenage girl growing up. Is that your hope with these, that they'll go into schools or well, teenage girls? Well, maybe schools, maybe some of it might be a slightly too gory for teenage girls. I mean, there's a lot of war and killing in the leaders. Yeah. Um, maybe the scientists could go into schools. But I do hope that young women are going to pick it up, definitely. And that's not to say that if you're a little bit older, you can't read them either. I just want them to be accessible to all ages because I think that these stories are really important and that people of all kind of backgrounds and ages should be able to read them. And what's your personal mission with the books? You know, we talked a bit about it, but what would happen that made you stood back and go, wow, that's absolutely the impact that I wanted them to have? Oh, I don't know if, you know, some of these stories got picked up and turned into movies. That would be incredible. I could see that happening with some of them. Yeah, you know, I definitely, definitely when I was writing some of them, I was like, if a studio is smart about this, they're going to option the rights to some of these stories. Well, just Hidden Figures has yeah. just nailed it from a box office perspective, which again, exactly. you know, I know isn't as obscure as some of the ones that you've got in here, mm-hmm. maybe a bit more mainstream, but I could absolutely see some of them. Yeah. And the interesting thing about Hidden Figures is that it was, it was originally based on a book written by someone who I think was related to one of the women, or at least was related to one of the women who'd worked in a similar industry. So it was very much like a personal story for her. She'd grown up in the kind of vague area of where the Hidden Figures women were based. And, you know, she wrote the book, then it became a movie. And now it's like a sensation because nobody has heard of these stories before. And it's just so 
you look at something like hidden figures and you're like, we need more stories like this and yeah, that's well, why. There's, there's a lot in these books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're almost like, that's what I meant at the start, like with the mini blockbuster thing. They are almost like mini sort of hidden figures-esque stories. They're just amazing. And I wanted to ask you about more on your sort of personal mission with this, I suppose, and what still makes you angry about how women are represented and what change you'd like to see in your lifetime? I think one place to start would be it's an absolute shame that when you look at parliament, when you look at top business companies, there is just not 50-50 female representation. Like, I think that's absolutely abominable. Like, I, And I do really think that, especially when it comes to politics, like, there's no reason that should not be possible. So I think that's what I would like to change because what I think you'll find in a lot of history books is actually that once you start getting women into these corridors of power, you will find that they will start uplifting other women. And then once that starts, it just keeps happening and it kind of builds and it's like a kind of rolling stone and it gathers more and more women to its cause. And then things can genuinely start to change. But I don't think until we get more women into senior positions in companies, politics, every single sector of industry, I don't think until that happens, that will really start to change because you have to feel personally invested in the stuff that you're fighting for. And I think women, especially now, feel very invested in fighting for what's right. Yeah, I think more so than ever. You know, a lot of the people listening to this will be mums, mums of sons, mums of daughters. What do you think we can do as parents to help with some of the equality that you're talking about? I think just being very aware that conditioning around gender norms and what boys think boys can do and what girls think girls can do starts so young and just be ready to have like conversations with your kids about you know oh why do you think that your sister should only play with dolls like why have you told you you can't let her play with your cars or you know why do you think that your little brother should only play with like action figures you know why can't you play with action figures because I think a lot of this starts so young and I think that was what really struck me when I was writing this is that I would have loved to read about some of these women when I was a little girl just because they challenged so much of what I thought being a woman was about and I think if I'd come across some of the women in these books I think maybe I would have been in a different career maybe I would have picked something else yeah what what do you think you might I think one of the classic things is as a girl you're just told you're just going to be bad at mathematics and I was bad at mathematics but I feel like if people hadn't told me oh, it's fine, you don't really need to learn it, you're a girl, blah, blah, blah. I would have stuck at it and done more and maybe I would have gone and done something else at university, like a science degree or something. Like I was really interested in biology, but because I didn't really have the maths background, it was never really impressed upon me as a potential choice. So yeah, who knows? And I think that's what I would like these books to be able to do, to like open up these worlds of possibility so that people who don't think they kind of follow the traditional idea of what a successful person or like a successful leader or scientist is starts looking at these stories and it's like oh actually I could do this because I've got things in common with these women and I think that would be my dream if someone could read these stories and actually think I can do exactly what she did and know how she did it so maybe I can do it too like that would be my dream yeah I think it's the role models isn't it yeah and that's what you've provided with these there's just so many 
role models. And I think what struck me was the physicality a lot of them and the strength of a lot mm-hmm. of them. Because I'm small as well. I'm like 5'3". And I think I always had this, I don't know where it came from, but I think I always had this thing that I was weak or I wasn't strong. Oh, that's and, horrible. Yeah, and then I hear stories, you know, like Edith, who at 4'11", was the first woman trained in jiu-jitsu yeah. and went on to, you know, have a massive impact on the suffragettes. I think it's so interesting how some of these beliefs about ourselves come not directly from our parents, as you were talking about, because my parents definitely never gave me that message. I think it was more of like a general societal one, maybe even segregating the sport that I did at primary school, which happened. Yeah. Boys do this, girls do this. Yeah. I think it's so multi-layered and complex. Yeah. Um, But as you say, these books are just even picking up a few of the stories and reading them to your teenage girls or even younger yeah it could have an incredible impact yeah and I think the thing you said about how some of these women are so active and physical Mm. I think that's really true because you know sometimes when you watch a movie or whatever you just see women sort of I don't know lying around looking beautiful like walking around in slow motion not really doing much but you're so used to it you know, when you see a woman in a film not doing that, you're like, oh, wow, she's actually doing something. Like, I remember watching Wonder Woman and seeing her have a fight scene and I was like, I can't remember the last time I saw one of these fight scenes without the woman being hideously sexualized. And, you know, that is the thing. And I really hope that, you know, these books end up changing people's perceptions or stereotypes about women and what women are capable of, because as history has shown, like, they are capable of a hell of a lot more than people think. Yeah, well, they were forgotten or hidden. And at the end of the introduction, you say this thing that I love, which is that sometimes our forgotten women are closer to home. And you ask the reader to think about who your forgotten woman might be through your family tree. And I thought about mine. And I was just wondering if you'd thought about who yours would be and whether you could just share who that might be. Yeah, so... My grandmother, basically, because I never really knew her. She died when I was a little girl. And I only really found this out maybe five, six years ago. Basically, during World War II, she was in Hong Kong at the time. And the Japanese invaded Hong Kong and occupied it and kind of locked all the British people up into like internment camps as prisoner of war. And my grandmother basically spent the war smuggling food to them. And there's this one amazing story my mum tells about how she was carrying my uncle in one arm, like a baby, carrying food in the other and like trying to make her way across to this internment camp, which is very dangerous anyway, because the Japanese soldiers at the time, you know, if you got stopped, there was a chance you could get killed or questioned or whatever. And a Japanese soldier stopped her. And luckily, my grandmother was born in Japan and had grown up speaking Japanese. So when the soldier was like, what are you doing? Where are you going? She answered back in flawless Japanese. And he was so impressed, he gave an apple to my uncle and just let her pass. No way, that's yeah. an amazing story. And, you know, the thing with my grandmother is that she's not the person that a lot of people in my family talk about because she was seen as, you know, the stable one, the one who was sensible and like kind of corralled the family and was like the bedrock of the family and stuff like that. She was, you know, the stable, boring one, essentially. But then you hear about how actually she had this whole other life and she was like brave. And it just made me feel sad that I didn't really know about this earlier and that I hadn't known her when I was younger. And I think there's a lot of people like that, people's histories, actually. All you need to do is really look. And, you know, it's like with the Bletchleyites, for instance, there were like literally hundreds of women working at Bletchley Park during World War II. And 
they went out and they had families and they had like lives after that and they just never talked about it. So maybe just start by asking your grandma what she did. Just start by asking older women in your family what they did during World War II. You know, I'm sure they're going to have stories. I'm sure that a lot of them will say things that surprise you. I think it's just a matter of being open and receptive to hearing them. Yeah, and it's so connecting as well, that sharing of family Definitely. stories. I keep meaning I am going to do it. But my maternal grandmother's had an incredible life. Just unbelievable, some of the things, like some of the things you were talking about. And I'm going to record, actually, amazing stories. Because yeah. I want to be able to play them to my daughter when she's older and make sure that they're not forgotten. Yeah. Because I think, like you say, busy lives. And it's so hard to carve out that time just to sit down and have that quality conversation about arguably some of the most important thing in our lives, you know, where the rest of our family have been. and Yeah where what, we come from and yeah them, you know and the impact that that's had on us yeah it's just fascinating so what's next for you so you're writing another book yeah so these two are going to come out and then in September I'll come out with the artists and the writers in the series and then after that I guess who knows really I'm gonna still hopefully be writing as a journalist I'm still at Broadly right now I'd like to be doing more like documentary stuff I've done some presenting for Vice as a host so yeah hopefully more of that and I would love to continue the series really because it's been such a privilege to actually meet all these women not meet because like they were sadly departed the physical plane of existence but to kind of meet them in a kind of reader to subject kind of way it's been really lovely to get to know their stories yeah you must feel really connected actually to a lot of them with yeah. the intimacy of writing their stories and the privilege like you say of sharing it you're doing some talks aren't you Could yes you, where can people come and hear you talk about the books and the stories so I'm going to be speaking at Wowfest at the South Bank this weekend uh, you can come down I'm doing two panels I'll be speaking about the books there and then I'm going to be at Oxford Literary Festival the week after and hopefully popping up at other literary festivals over the next couple of months. And you can buy the books on Amazon or you can just follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on Miss Zing. Great. Well, I'm sure that you're going to get lots of new followers because <laughs> these books are just unbelievable. And I do implore everyone to get a copy. And I just have to say this independent review. It's amazing. And it says to say this series empowering doesn't do it justice. And I totally agree with that. <laughs> I think I can't think of a word that does do it justice, but, <laughs> but they're brilliant. And um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed the episode please check out my Instagram where we continue the conversation and I post daily about all things motherhood and well-being. Also, if you haven't already, have a look at my website because I've been writing more and more blogs and I'm also putting on there all the events and talks that I'm giving. And of course, if you haven't, then please do have a listen to some of the other episodes because I'm chatting to some really incredible women that I'd love you to enjoy. And if you did enjoy it, then please, please leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm.